0: Episode 17, Selling Gather Up, Part 2, The Process.
1: Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrapped SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Wykey of Gather Up and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go.
0: Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. And we are diving into part two of our three-part series on the acquisition of GatherUp from the end of 2019. If you haven't had the chance, part one uh, of the series is the why laying out... Things within the decision process, how to things to consider and think about prepping your company to sell just a number of aspects with this. And today we're kind of hoping to, to transition into some more of the like process items and small things and being able to share just even how some of those uh, things felt at the time. So looking forward to that. But before we dive into that, uh, Darren, it's been a few weeks since we've talked. What's what's new uh, with WhiteSpark?
1: What's new? Let's see. Uh, There's not really too much new. We just keep forging ahead with a lot of our product development. Um, man, we have so many things that are so close right now. I'm just really excited about these launches that are upcoming. A uh, new, brand new local citation finder, a whole new account system. These are just on the cusp of being launched. And... Uh, it's funny because we have this local citation finder and it's been quite neglected for years as we build other things in the company and it's truly like we get 300 free users signing up for that every week and there's a a lot of those are converting but it's amazing to me that they're converting to the existing product because it's it's old it's outdated the data is not great but uh and so it's i look at that and i think i can't wait to launch the new one and i think when we launch the new one our churn rate will plummet. Our, our sign-up rate will drastically increase. I think it's going to be huge for the company. So yeah, we've got lots of things going to go right now. Busy with that. I don't have any trips planned until June. So yeah, I'm going to see you in Minneapolis in
0: June. That'll be good. Yeah, Minnesota search. We'll have a great time as always. Have a few beers. Yep, looking forward maybe, to it. Maybe come up with you know another crazy idea, like to start a podcast or something. Yeah, we'll start a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Hey, I, I know the feeling with like, uh, where you're at with, when you're right on the cusp of launching things, that was me towards the end of December and then January, where it was like, we kind of had three, four features that were kind of log jammed together. And then they were starting to shake loose. Um, and then really, we just had to start mapping out like, OK, what's our cadence of releasing one of them kind of mm-hmm. every two weeks so that we had the right marketing message and exactly. we, the team, yeah. team could focus on launching it the right way and landing the right way and then yeah. calm the waters and then cycle back to the next one. And yeah, we've we've been in that sequence here from mid-January and it'll keep going uh, through the end of this month. So it, it's so fun when you have um, features coming out. Yeah. Uh, that you know will make an impact in getting to, to put them out there.
1: It's a funny thing that I'm trying to get better at, but I have this tendency, like once we start building something, I just want to keep adding stuff to it. I'm like, oh, we could do this and we could do this and we could do that. And then, and then the the project scope just keeps creeping and we never launched the damn thing (laughs) so i'm trying to get to this this point where like we're like shut off it's like okay darren you got ideas you put them on the on the phase two list and we're going to get this core functionality released and then the beauty is you've got multiple releases and you got multiple opportunities to push more marketing and and more you know just promoting of the product every time so if i take some if i just kept working on it then we'd have one big massive release Or we do like the basic release and then, you know, five other releases after that as we keep adding all these extra functions that I want to build. I've
0: actually gotten a lot better at that in the last year or so. Uh, I used to be very similar to what you're describing, where it was like, and one more thing and one more thing and one more thing. And now now I've done a much better job of saying like, no, this is going to be like the V1 of this. Here's the dates we need to hit. And Then we will look at like fast follow items or v v two items um, things like that. And yeah. if anything, I've found myself saying no to some of the things that the team is like, you know, we should do this or consider this or whatever else. And yeah. it's been a, a strange reversal because I used to be the one where they were just I could. You know, I could see their eye. I could feel their eyes rolling right when I was like, "Hey, I got one more thing we need to squeeze in here in the next few days."
1: So, yeah, totally. Yeah, we implemented a new process in our development uh, on our dev team. So it's like a, a Monday planning call and a Friday retrospective call, and we try to keep them short. And it's just like on Monday, it's like, "Okay, guys, what are you doing?" We have our ClickUp boards where we look at all the all the potential tasks we could do, and they just. They pick the ones that that are are doable within that week, and then on on the end of the week we look at it and be like, did you did you get it done? If you didn't, what went wrong? Um, you know, where were some of the challenges? And sometimes they get more things done and they they squeeze it in. But this this like weekly kind of like really focused. This is the goal for the week, and trying to block out everything else. It's like if something else comes up, it's like put it on the list. We'll look at it next week. And so we're really trying to keep the team focused on the core goals and the core milestones. And it's it's been helpful.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Good for you. Keep it up. Yeah. That, that discipline and prioritization and saying no is so powerful. Yep. Yeah, anything can just go on a list and we'll get to it one day, but right now
1: this is what we're focused on.
0: The ever expanding list. That's that's something we can talk about sometime.
1: Yeah, totally. How's everything going with you? How's everything at GatherUp post sale? It's all going great and uh continue to grow the business. Any any you, got, you just had a huge feature release, the social sharing stuff looked awesome.
0: Yeah, super excited about that. We started that feature like late last September. Um, it was one of those where made a call. It, we had it slated later, but with the drop of uh, schema stars in search results yep. uh, from the review widget, we really felt like we wanted to get a marketing feature back out there that was uh, visible and tangible, got people excited. So oh, yeah. social sharing was probably more slated to like start work right about now, but instead uh, we we pushed that ahead of some other things. So. Yeah, it's a a great feature, it basically gives you um one more way to use your reviews and that um you know we created a feature so it would turn your review into uh, a visual image that you can then share on social media channels. Um yeah. and it's it's fun I have uh I'm kind of putting together a post where you know what what we're really saying is like yeah, a review just isn't a review. And with Gather Up, we can amplify it five different ways. And so you really want to maximize that review instead of like, all right, mm-hmm. we got it here. It sits on the shelf in our, you know, uh, Google My Business reviews. Um, but it's really helping people understand, like, here's how you use it uh, on your website. Here's how you can use it socially. Here's how you can use it on this specific page and in this way. Uh, to really get people to to maximize those hard earned reviews, so yeah, super smart.
1: I remember I used to always think about how people would get testimonials and they just put them on their website and then they would they would always ask for testimonials. And so my thinking was, don't ask for a testimonial, ask for a review. You get the review now; it's already on a public profile, like on your your Google listing, your Facebook, or whatever. And now you can use that on your website too.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Multi, you know. T- you can make a review of Swiss army knife. That's, that's for sure if you have your head around it the right way. And we're just trying to yeah. point as many of those ways out. And yeah, the social sharing feature, I think that's something we can do an episode on. Cause there's really some, uh, I really challenged myself to think about that feature differently, even when we created it. Cause People had asked for social sharing from us for a long time, yep. but I really wanted to do it in a way that was attention grabbing, excited people. Right? Social media is a visual medium, and I feel like we did a great job of, of finding a, the right way to embrace that and give people a, a really great marketing feature.
1: I'd be interested in following up on that one too. I'm one. I'm curious to find out what percentage of your user base adopts the feature and actually uses it. It's the kind of thing where you you've got to engage and actually take the time to like to generate and press the buttons and and make it happen. And so I'm curious, like, if you have any logging set up to see how many people are using the feature, and then you know maybe some like what are some action plans to try and encourage them to use the feature down the road. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyways. we can get into that down the road. Future
0: episode. Yep. Making note. Yeah. Make a note. All right. So within with that, let's uh, let's dive into the uh, the main course of today, and that's talking about uh, the process, as mentioned, and uh, hopefully, as you listened in episode 16, we talked about the why of selling gather up, and uh, today I just kind of wanted to talk about and allow you, Darren, to ask some questions as well about you know the, yep. the process, more of the bullet pointed items. Um, that you can expect in a in a transaction, uh, at least sharing you know what we encountered with GatherUp, um, and so of you know kind of rewind. Um, what really kicked it off is you know we were at uh, MozCon in in July, um, had our sponsor booth out there, and during the conference had a had a call set up with uh, our contact at Alpine Software Group and. We usually every six to eight months, we're having a a call with them. We had had three or four and it was just a normal check in, you know, building relationship, them asking, you know, how we're doing, how do things look for you guys moving forward, all of those different pieces. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, just walking around in between a break at at MozCon doing the call. And at the end of the 15, 20 minute call, you know, just wrapped up with them saying, Hey, we're, you know, we're serious. We, We would you know like to put, uh, a number in front of you guys, and and make a real offer. And it was like, nice. yeah, okay. And they were like, you were
1: the only one on that call, so they just mentioned that to you. Uh,
0: no, it was myself and Don. We we're the two that were usually um, doing them with them. So Don Campbell and I right. uh, on the call. Uh, one of our original co-founders. Yeah. And yeah, they basically just needed you know three or four uh, pieces and said, hey, we'll have a, a verbal offer to you in you know three to four days if you can hand these things uh, across.
1: So at this point, you must have been sharing like financials and stuff in order for them to, be able to consider an offer.
0: Yep. Yeah. We shared a 2018 and 2019 P&L with them. So it gave them, a, you know, at that time, about 18 months uh, of history for how we were doing. Um, yep. And yeah, that between that and then just kind of a, a you know, a, a scrubbed client list so they could see like the accounts and sizes without the name to it, uh, just to understand right. the the spread um, yep. of what was there. And those are really the two uh, main items that were there.
1: Were they interested in your like, uh, your uh, like organizational structure? Like, you know, the, who are your all your employees? And, and what are the roles and all that kind of stuff? Did you have to share that stuff too? Uh,
0: yeah, not right off the bat. Um, but that definitely came into play. So it's like, um, that happened within the four days, they made the the verbal offer, um you know we we discussed uh, again as we talked about last episode, we kind of already had a uh you know we had a line drawn in the sand of what we'd be interested in. this was uh, you know uh above that line um so we're like, all right, yeah, we're definitely interested and we set up a face to face meeting for about two weeks down the road after getting the the verbal offer.
1: I was gonna ask one thing like would did When you, so I'm just like, okay, what what is it that makes one of these companies decide, oh, yeah, this is a company we want to make an offer for? And I'm curious about your growth rate over the two years of financials you gave them. And so, like, did you have 100%, 300% growth over that period or something like that?
0: So, what a lot of them, well, everybody kind of has their own, um, but I think uh, Alpine Software Group definitely was anchored to the rule of 40. Um, and if you're if you like understand the rule of 40, it's your you know, growth rate and profit margin exceeding 40 um, okay. percent. And for us, we were well above that. You know, our growth rate was usually around that 40 percent year over year um, and, you know, a, a healthy profit margin a, as well. So we definitely fit into that piece. Um, and this again, where it was helpful and came in that they had already purchased a competitor of ours, so they understood the space and the opportunity, yep. and and you know not not just the metrics of a SaaS business, but they really understood the metrics of a reputation management business in in the SaaS space. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So then next, the uh, four of us, Don, Thomas, uh, Mike, and myself, um, we flew out to San Francisco. Um, and here we kind of had like, a you know, three quarters of a day planned out. Um, so it was, you know, talking a little bit more in depth uh, about the business as a whole, answering high level questions on customers and tech stack, um, taking a look mm-hmm. at the that's where we shared an org chart and a breakdown of the company and, you know, calling out uh, certain uh, performers and, and things like that with it. Um, So, you know, a much deeper uh, level with it. Um, It it wasn't too difficult uh, for us just because we'd always been very uh, transparent and we had a lot of our stuff in order. So it was really easy for us to talk about uh, a lot of those things and and lay them out. Um, Mm -hmm. And. It was a nice kind of introduction to an understanding how they were thinking, what they thought about us, started to give, um, you know, some insight to what was important to them and why they looked at us and the positioning of their offer and, and things like that.
1: Were there any surprising things in that meeting where you were like, "Oh, we didn't think about kind of this from a sales perspective." That came up. You're like, "Oh, we're going to have to go and get that stuff organized."
0: Yeah, not so much. I mean, the the so no. one the one thing that, you know, a couple of things that were really interesting uh, to me is, you know, one in between the two weeks, um, you know, in and in compiling this stuff together, it, it really made um and I would say myself and and uh, Mike, we really started to think a lot about their offer. And, you know, what, what do we feel like we're actually worth? Right. Cause now you, yeah. now you have this number and and there's so much, it's not like you get this handbook that says like, Hey, you know, your company should be worth this or this multiple or whatever. Like, you know, you get some industry benchmarks and different things um, like that. Uh, yeah. But it really allowed us to like dig a little bit deeper on it. And, you know, we actually went to that meeting with, you know, already getting everyone on the the same page. Mike and I were very gung ho and, and Thomas and Don ended up, you know, kind of agreeing and say, Hey, you know, you guys feel that way. We'll let you lead the way. Um, and it, it, you know, really put a lot of confidence in our corner when I looked at it, like I, I felt like we were pretty unique in where we were sitting as far as like, you know, who else in our space could be acquired. Um, right. And, and understanding that was definitely huge on your confidence side. Um, and so we went in and we had a, a counter to our offer that, you know, was roughly about a, a 20% increase from where we started. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a sizable gain to the offer and, you know, put that out there at the end of our meeting with our, our contact. And he's like, all right, you know, today was great. Liked everything we heard. Let me bring that back to our team. And um, then, yeah, they, they called the next day and said that, you know, they, they agreed, they agreed to our counter and the structure of the deal all stayed the same and, and everything else. And they were interested to yeah. put together the, the letter of intent. It's
1: got to be so hard to like, okay, so you, you they give you an offer, you think, okay, well... I think we're worth a bit more than that. You're going to counter with a 20% increase and then they accept it right away. And you're like, dang, we should have done <laughs> <laughs> did, did 30. Did that ever cross your mind? Like, did we, did we get the numbers right? Did you get as much as you, you feel like it was worth?
0: Yeah. I I, I didn't feel that way. Um, but you definitely felt scary thinking like, okay, they gave you this number that was a, a good number, right? Like, you, it, it obviously grabbed our attention. It met kind of the minimum needs we had already outlined. Um, but it is scary then going in at the end and saying like, okay, we feel the numbers this, and you you really don't know, even though like you can have a good feeling, you can like the conversations, but what if that number took you to the point where they said, you know what, at that number, we're, we're just not interested. And we actually, you know, we were wavering a little bit. So we'll actually just pull the offer off the table, right? Like, yeah, that sure. That is a possibility. Now, when you like you, when you can emotionally step out of it, you realize that that probably is a little bit silly. Um, but at the time, yeah, they would counter if they didn't like it. Yeah. At the time, you feel so much emotion about it. Like you have excitement, you have fear, you have unknown, you have all these different things that, you know, thinking logically is really hard in this entire process. Um, right, right. And a couple of things that I really kept in mind is, you know, one, I had read Rand Fishkin's book on, you know, Lost and Founder and his history of the HubSpot offer. And, you know, that offer being, uh, you know, I think if I remember the numbers, right, like they offered him 18 or 20 million and he countered with like 25 or maybe more. And they ended up not coming to terms and Rand massively regretted it because, Yep. after taking on funding and everything else, like they would have never personally made that much money again.
1: Um, yeah. That was the golden opportunity. Missed yep. it. And
0: that was really helpful to like, that was in the back of my mind where I was like, you know, be, be strong in what you feel like you're worth. But if you have a bird in the hand, don't, don't squeeze that bird and crush it either. So yeah, right. it, uh, it, it, de- it definitely is helpful. I even, I, I sent Rand an email. He didn't, he didn't reply, but I just said, Hey, Because of you sharing that, just know that like that it was helpful in our process to like have this perspective of somebody who, you know, and, you know, good for him that he felt that confident. But he obviously regretted it later that he probably should have moved forward with it. He just it's hard. Your your judgment can get clouded between emotion and, you know, maybe some greed, the fear of the unknown, like all all of those different things with it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't reply.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he, he usually uh, uh, would with it. I don't know. Maybe I hit his spam folder. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. I just, <laughs> I wanted to give him props for sharing his story and let him know that it actually, you know, mattered in a significant transaction of the same name totally. so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've got that book. I've read the first chapter, but you know, you know how books are. They just sit on your side <laughs> side table. And you,
0: I got a lot of first chapters, right? Yeah. So do I. But that one I read all the way through. I'm glad I did. Yeah. Um, you know, so once, once that happened, you know, the next thing that we did in, in Internally that I would stress to people, especially if you have partners, you know, m- multiple shareholders is uh, we had our CFO put a mock-up of flow of funds, right? Because you have this number and it's really easy to yep. look at it and say, oh, here's my percent and it's of this number. But there's a lot of other things inside of that number in what gets taken off the top in uh, legal fees, escrow, you know, different totally. things like that. And then taxes. Yeah. Taxes based on people's partner shares, you know, where those things come from. So you really need to like run through that if you have any like waterfall in your cap table and things like that so that you're able to understand like, all right, what does that number actually look like to me? And am I still okay with that number? Right. What's going to go in my bank account? Yeah, totally. Yep. So just considering that within, you know, all of the different pieces that's there, because it, it definitely ends up usually being a different number. If you have multiple people at the table, then just straight looking at, oh, it's this number and I get thirty percent of it or, you know, whatever that might be.
1: Can you talk like about what the legal fees are, like in, in terms of I don't know, percentage or or that kind of stuff? Are there brokerage fees? Are there other like in Fees that you don't even know about until you kind of go through the process.
0: Yeah, uh, so we didn't have a, a broker at at this point. Once we had the verbal, then we went and said, okay, you know, let's get an attorney to do this. We talked with uh, with Don being in California. He had a, a you know couple people that we'd either worked with before on drafting some agreements, um, and he kind of went and talked to them. We had an attorney here in Minneapolis that uh, used to be our attorney at my last agency, Spider Trap. I was at. And Spider Trap had actually uh, been acquired um, prior. And then Barb, our CFO, had worked with that attorney on that. So we brought him to the table on it. And yeah, we just kind of had to make a a decision. A little bit of it was based on ballparks that they gave us. You know, when you're looking at, you know, here's kind of hard to describe with the numbers. But, you know, in our case, it was, you know, it was a six figure expenditure based on sale price but there was a lot of difference in what the six-figure expenditure was from, you know, one to the other. And so it just kind of came down to us like trust and comfort level. Uh, And ultimately we went with um, Steve, our attorney and with the firm in Minnesota, because Barb had worked with him before we knew Barb would be doing a line share of the work. Um, I knew Steve as well from when he was our attorney at spider trap. So we set a high level of of comfort there. He had done a number of um, transactions. We felt good about it. And I mean, the, the short there is like he was awesome um, throughout the the process and really did a great job for us and was really a pleasure to to work with and made himself very available to us throughout the process. Because there's definitely some Sunday night at 9 p.m. calls when we could get everybody yeah. together on something while it was in motion.
1: Yeah, you're you're lucky you had that. Because I I can imagine if I was trying to sell right now, I'd be like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to find a good lawyer that knows how to do this. And it'd be a bit of a crapshoot. You know, I would ask around and see if I can get some advice. But particularly being Canadian, I couldn't ask any of my U.S. SaaS friends for advice. So, yeah that you had that in place yes it was definitely
0: definitely um, helpful but in great if we already had it in place but we made quick work of it made a decision and it worked out very well so once we had that wrapped up then they jumped into you know giving us the letter of intent i want to say it was you know probably from the time the first verbal then had our meetings whatever else it was probably around mid-august when the letter of intent was you know actually put together now that the loi is like this is your first official doc it's you know, a shorter four or five pages. And it's really the high level of it kind of guides what the purchase agreement, which is going to be much larger and much more detailed, um, looks like. Mm-hmm. So within it, the, the letter of intent, this is where, yes, having a great attorney is helpful. You know, Steve did a great job in explaining things to us because there's a lot of right. All right. Help us understand the legalese of this. If we decide this way or we ask for this, you know, just the normal. What are what are common give and takes? Yep. What do others ask for? What should we be thinking about? And he did a really good job of helping frame that up and helping us understand the role it played in the process. You know, what to what to ask for, what what should be important to us, getting our input on yep. it. Um, And then being able to, you know, make some revisions to that.
1: Can you give me an example of like, what what are some of these things that you should ask for that he was advising you on? You're like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. I'm just curious, like, what are some things that people might overlook? if They didn't have a good lawyer. Yeah, some of it, you know, comes into the cycle of
0: like reps and warranties. So, you know, how are they going to like go through uh, your numbers and pick certain things out? And what are you going to be held uh, accountable for, you know, post-purchase? Uh, And things like that. Looking at things, you know, we had a number of things regarding like our team. Right. So it's like just to make sure, you know, they said like, hey, we're going to keep your team intact and everything else. But we're also like, okay, once you have control, you can do whatever you want. So if you don't honor that, we want to have written in like, all right, here's the severance package. If someone is, you know, terminated within X days of uh, the sale if it's, you know, non-performance based. So how do we create a safeguard for our employees there that if they decide, well, we don't want that person on payroll or we want to, you know, cut what your payroll is or people in certain roles? Um, that they were going to walk away, you know, well taken care of, and have good runway to find their next opportunity.
1: Smart, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that a lawyer will catch and and help help you think about, yep. make sure that you have that in place. Yep. Was there anything in in the agreement that was like, you know? warranties like, Oh, if we end up buying the company and this, this, or this happens, we can reverse the deal. It was, were there any clauses like that in any of your, like either in your purchase agreement or your LOI? Yeah. You're, you're,
0: you're going to have certain things with that. It's not so much reverse the deal, but it just gets into, you know, who, who's going to pay if that happens. Right. Because really you're trying to slice and dice. Like we're either buying and we're assuming this responsibility or we're buying, but we're not going to assume this responsibility, right? If this, this is, we already see this could be a possible issue, a tax issue or something like that. And you are going to be responsible for that. We're not going to take that on. So there are definitely um, pieces like that to it. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Non-compete timing, you know, things like that. Those are all pieces that you get a little bit more, um, detailed on and and take a look at. Like I said, again, it's like the high level, most important things and and elements of that are in that letter of intent. Now, in comparison, it's like, all right, you know a couple of back and forth. We agree on the letter of intent, um, and then kind of starts like the the full process. And then once you get going on that, then the attorneys from their side start putting together the purchase agreement. Now, the purchase agreement ends up being, uh, I, I don't know if I can remember in our case, but it's probably somewhere between like 60 to 80 pages, right? So over a, oh, a 10x factor. And, and then it is, it's every little detail uh, and every little uh, element to all the things that are there. That sounds
1: painful, man. Like I, I find a 10-page legal document painful enough, but geez, that sounds like so much reading, so much the legalese, and it's just, uh, I do not enjoy slogging through legal documents of that size. Yeah.
0: And that's where it comes in, again, having a great attorney, having great advice, someone that you can trust to read every word. So maybe you don't have to read every word, right? Like you can get the summary, right? Where Steve would come to us, our attorney, and say like, all right, out of these things, here's the 11 things that I think you guys should care about based on everything we've discussed and what I know you want out of this and what's important to you. And so let's talk about these 11. Let me explain them. Let's talk about your position and let's figure out if there's ones we want to go back to them on and ask for something different or frame it up or yeah. a different time or amount, whatever that might be.
1: Yeah, it's Steve's job to read it carefully and think about all the, the potential things that could impact you as your you know, you're his client. So he wants to make sure that it all works out in, in the best way for you,
0: right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And within this process too, like, I I definitely can say, like, this is the part emotionally where you move from a lot of excitement to like a lot of pressure because, you know, one, you create this data room. We, you know, touched about a little bit this on the last one, but, you know, you end up with a hundred plus items that they want all uploaded in there. And, you know, in our case, we had 80, 90% of these, like, you know, well put together and organized, but then there's definitely a bunch that, like, Barb, our CFO was wrangling and, you know, tracking down and where are they and things that, you know, maybe from deeper in the history had a number of versions and what are the right versions and how do we get those together? Cap tables had changed. New partners came on, things like that. Yeah. So and between the culmination of all these things and like getting, getting everything hardened and getting it delivered and uploaded and, you know, creating a spreadsheet and saying like, okay. Uh, Thomas, you're in charge of these 12 technical items and getting them together. Aaron, you're going to take, you know, these 14 items, um, customer contracts, all these kind of things. And so, you know, it really becomes a, a team effort to help put those together and everybody to kind of do their pieces and shares. And you have, you know, we're probably doing every two to three days, doing a call, looking at that list. What's needed? What's still out there? How do we yep. get it? Yep. Those kind of things. And you, you feel the pressure of that. That's when you start to feel like if we don't bring all of this to the table, you know, will the price change? Will they start to think differently? You know, what are those pieces to it?
1: Yeah. Because at this point, the purchase agreement is not signed, right? You're just yep. kind of putting all the pieces together and refining the agreement. Yep. Yeah. That, that would be a stressful time. That sounds like a lot of different things, like a 100-point list of things you have to gather and get together for them. Man. It is.
0: It's a very long list, right? It's just like your incorporation and legal documents, tax returns and anything related to that, your contracts with customers, mm-hmm. your agreements with every service you use, NDAs, your employment agreements... Other vendors, right? It's just like anything you've sure. ever signed, agreed to, and and rightfully so. Anything that they would have to honor or know existed or nor took place, like they want to see all of that to be able to assess all of it, make sure it's in line, what's their risk, what are they looking at, yeah. You know, how long does yeah. it last? Any of those kind of things.
1: They're just looking for any red flags. You know, I, I can imagine it's like, oh, they've got this weird service agreement with this company and it, that could be a problem or a conflict or whatever. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. And then within this time frame, too. So Barb, our CFO and I, we had made a trip or two uh, on top of calls doing this out in person to, you know, do some of this as well. Right. So going through yeah. your financials, answering questions uh, out of the PL, and uh, going through client lists sitting down with like other members of their team and you start to see, you know, I I didn't fully realize it at at the time. It took a couple of days after it, but then I started to realize what they were mostly looking to do then is like model out. Okay. We buy these guys. What does the next year look like? And so Mm -hmm. you could see they were even starting their transition of and, and rightfully so, they have to go back to their investors and say, all right, you know, here's why we're making this investment. Here's how we think this investment is going to pay off and pay out over the next year two years.
1: Yeah, they're, they're trying to project all of that yep. and, and figure out what their return is going to be. Yep. Yep. And it's
0: it's hard, you know, in your mind, like you, you, you view some of it is, um, you know, in an interrogation where, you know, it's like they're doing it to maybe like not do the deal or lower the price or like all these other things. Um, But in our case, you just started to realize like, no, it's just so they have all the facts so they can properly project what this is. And they make sure that they have their hands and arms around it the right way uh, more more than anything else. And that that definitely took me a little bit. And then I had to, you know, kind of try to preach that to the rest of our partners just because, you know, everybody comes in with their own angle on, you know, trust. And are they going to try to do this? And depending upon what horror stories you've read about, and, and it happens, right? Transactions fall apart and all of those other things. Um, so it's hard not to be influenced by some of, of that fear. Mm-hmm. But as you, you know, as I start to, as I started to see some of these pieces come together, it was trying to get everybody else on board. Like it, here's the why and why they're doing this, right? It's not to blow the deal up. It's not to try to claw back money out of it. It's not to try to lower the price. It, it's to really get their arms around once we get this, what are we going to do to maximize it even more? And they have due diligence to go back to their investors and do their own reporting and proposals and like all those kind of things to make everyone on their side, providing the money comfortable with the deal.
1: Yeah, totally. They absolutely have to justify it. And they have to have a plan in place for like how they're going to turn their investment into three, four, 10 times that, right? That's their goal. So... Yeah. Absolutely. So got to think about it from that perspective. And they're going to, of course, need all of that information. And I could feel that myself, like if I was in that position, being like, oh, all of this work and, and why do they want all this and starting to stress about it. But yeah, I think it, that's a pretty solid point that you have to think about it from their perspective and and what their goal is with this acquisition.
0: Yep. And it, it just gets more important to like, you know, what does your gut tell you about the group that you're talking to and and who you're doing business with, right? And Right yep. from the start, our, our, our contact at Alpine Software Group, Jake Brodsky, was like always on the up and up, always straightforward. Anytime if communication got off on email, he and I would get on a call and we'd each explain our why, and we would easily be back on the same page. Yeah. M- my hope is that anyone doing this, like you end up with a stand-up person like Jake was on our side because it made it really easy for me not to focus on all the what-ifs and to be able to focus on the why we're doing this they're being true to their word. I understand where they're coming from. They understand where we're coming from when we make an ask. And that, that just makes it so much easier. And, and I know, you know, there's probably plenty of deals that just don't have those elements. And I feel for that because it's already stressful without hide and seek and some dishonesty and, you know, hand tricks to try to throw people off or get their attention somewhere else.
1: Yeah. How much time passed between the letter of intent and the signing of the per- the full purchase agreement?
0: Yeah. So like first letter of intent, like I said, it was mid-August. And then our like final signing was basically like October 31st. It was Halloween day. All right. And then, like three and a half months. Yep. Yep. So, you know, a pretty fast track. We, we were on track to close a little bit um, earlier, but we we hit a hurdle in the middle. And without going in, into details, it was one that everybody worked together and was kind of a multifaceted to to work through. But the thing I would just tell people is like expect there to be some hurdles. Like I feel like we had our stuff in really good order for the size company we were, how long we'd been around, things like that. I, I feel like we always operated from a very high quality, well organized, well processed standpoint. Yeah. And it we still hit some stuff, right? Where it's just like, and you just have to have your mind around like, this is not going to be a straight point A to point B. There's going to be some curves in it. And just as you do in business, like come at it solution focused, be ready to do the work to communicate, keep everybody on track, keep communicating. And you can likely find a resolution as long as it's like, you know, coming from the right place with the right things in mind.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Okay, you're you're working on getting all these documents together. What what are some of the other stuff that they, they're asking for you?
0: Yeah, the the technical audit. So this is where they go and kind of embed themselves in your environment. They're looking for yep. you know what open source software are you using, what other software that contains licenses, do you have everything in place? You know, how much of it is, you know, your own uh, created code to some extent, you know, how solid does it look? They're asking a lot of questions around your methodologies and development. What outages have you had? Uh, things like that. They're assessing the reliability mm. and things like that. So, you know, that that side we felt like um, pretty good. You know, I've been in the world of development and websites and apps and things like that for long enough where I felt like I felt very confident that our stuff was good. And I shared this last time, like after that part of it, like they definitely complimented us and said like of their 20 plus acquisitions, like we were right there as, you know, if not the best of what they had gone through before. So yeah, yeah, huge kudos to our team and, you know, just everybody's dedication to quality on that side. But like that became one of the big positives for us.
1: Do they assess your documentation? Oh, yeah. Like your code documentation?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they really look at like every um, aspect of it. And I don't even know all of the aspects, right, that they would look at it um, internally. But configuration, documentation, process, security, um, performance, like all of those things, they want to understand as much of that as possible because... You know, and and I know to some extent they probably have had a few purchases where if you don't do enough digging, you get in, and once you open up the hood, then it's like, oh, okay. We got to rebuild here on some of these aspects.
1: I've heard that. Yeah. I actually heard that with some acquisitions where they bought the company and they're like, oh, great. Now we're going to spend the next two years rebuilding this from scratch because it's got so much technical debt.
0: Yeah. Yep. And time is money. So Uh, another thing that uh, then we started to do is, you know, they wanted to, they came to us and said, hey, we want to talk to customers in this area. Uh, And so roughly, uh, you know, somewhere around uh, 10 to 15 of our customers um, and I know you ended up being one of those. Yeah, um, I had one of those. Yep. Ones. And you know how we just positioned it, right? We did a reach out and just said like, hey, we're bringing on this firm to assess how our clients feel about us. They're going to do an interview yeah. with you. It's a 20, 30 minute conversation. Um, so just making it look, you know, natural to our customers and asking them, would they be willing to help and, and give their feedback and opinion on it? I was
1: so positive on that call. It's probably the reason you guys closed the deal. <laughs> I was just like, I had so many good things to say. <laughs>
0: Dinner and beers coming your way this summer. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And that obviously, I mean, that, it was actually kind of fun. Got to read the transcripts of of those after everything closed. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. Uh, you know, overwhelmingly positive. And it's you know, in that form and in being a little bit longer, even though I feel like we have great relationships, we hear from a lot of our customers, we use our product to ask our customers how they feel about us. So, totally, um, yeah. yeah. So within that, it was cool to kind of read all that and to be able to share it, um, you know, across our team as well, just to see how customers felt. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, then, you know, by now we're in like, you know, mid October, we're coming close to the end. And at this point, you kind of transition and you realize, all right, the major hurdles have been dealt with. We're on track. You're trying to find an outline of close date uh, and you start to look forward, right? And for me, I had to really start putting a lot of thought around, like, okay, what does the end of this purchase look like? Because I've never done it before. So, Mm -hmm. What are the elements within the purchase agreement in itself? And then you start thinking about the transition items that are there. For sure. Right. And there's all kinds of small details that you realize are going to change, going to be different. And then you start thinking about the communication of this. Right. And to me, this was something that was really important to us. So you have to start aligning and kind of putting together a framework like, okay, if we're going to sign papers on this day, Then the next day, we're going to do one on ones with all of our employees and lay everything out for them because, you know, you're not talking. We chose not to, you know, tell any of them through this process because of it can be a large distraction. You can cause people to panic and be worried like, oh, if we sell, then my job will be eliminated. So I'd rather just go find another job. So there's definitely a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want to go to your entire team and say, hey. Hey. We're working on selling and it's going to be a great thing. And for, yeah, the, for the next 90 days or more, it's going to be drawn out. But don't worry, we'll take care of it. Right. You're better off to, in my opinion, just do the work, handle that side. That's part of your job as an owner and an executive is to like shield them from that. Put the company on the right track, yep. negotiate yep. things yep. that are in their favor and, and all those pieces. Um, yeah. yeah, totally so and, and then, after that, then communication with clients and then the public information as well. so at this point, it was like really coming up with and to me, this was like a whole new level of stress because now it's like all right, you're telling our our team of twenty and you feel some stress from that, you feel some excitement uh with it too, because you're giving them yeah. good news in a couple of different ways, but then knowing you're going to send out an email to your you know thousands of customers, that's scary yeah. right and like What's going to come back from that? How are they going to feel about it? You know, all of those different things. And then last piece, you know, once you go public, like that's totally the easy part. And man, did that feel a lot better. But, you know, from the time we signed to it being public was, you know, 15 days. So, yeah,
1: there's like two week sort of period of just limbo. (laughs) It's like it's
0: done, but we can't tell anybody. Yeah.
1: Sort of awkward situation. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And so, you know, when when we signed that day and had everything signed and then Mike Blumenthal and I, since we were both staying on, we just started jumping on Slack and grabbing our people. Right. We had put everyone a list together. We had put together kind of a, a script that said, like, all right, we're selling. Here's here to here's why we're doing it. Your job isn't going anywhere. Like the, our great team is part of the reason that they wanted us. Yep. We had also set aside a percentage of the sale as a bonus to employees. Nice. I was wondering about that. Yeah. yeah. So, and we basically had two different things. One was length of time with the company. We gave a dollar amount for every year they'd been with us. Yep. And then we also had a, an impact bonus when we looked at, you know, how did they contribute? How did that contribute to growth? You know, did they help bring other people on? What had they done for us? Um, things like that. And so it, it was cool. Like some of our people, you know, got more than their, their year of salary out of, out of this bonus.
1: Um, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone was probably pretty happy about it. Right. Did anyone have any like notable concerns where you're like, Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Where like a, either an employee or a customer that was a, uh, you know, maybe not so happy about the deal? Or was everybody happy about
0: it? Um, I mean, there's a, a few from each bucket, right? I mean, you definitely have people who are more anxious about things like that, you know, overwhelmingly from our team. And I, I, this made me feel really good as a, as a person and as a leader, overwhelmingly, most of them said when we, you know, asked about questions, fears, you know, and we're doing this saying like, Hey, we know you just got this news. And let's be honest, we're still working our way through it 90 days later, you know, mm-hmm. but is there anything top of mind? And uh, overwhelmingly, a majority of them replied to that with, I trust you guys and yeah. I trust you to make the right decisions. And so I trust you on this and we'll find out on some of the other things. But I, I don't think for a second you'd make a decision that would put us um, in harm or in a, in a bad spot. And that to me was like, that was really gratifying even more so than, yes, it was great to give financial rewards, uh, to people who had been with the company a long time and hopefully help propel them further in life, retirement, day-to-day living, whatever, whatever that is. Like we had one team member that was like, man, I've been saving to buy a house. Like this puts me over the top. So helping someone buy a house out of that was awesome. We had more, yeah, we had more than a couple people cry very common where they would just say, can you repeat that amount again? Right. They wanted to make sure that they heard it correctly. So yeah, so that that part was really cool. And that took a lot of weight off my shoulders for about like 24 hours. And then like, you know, six days later was the announcement to our customers, which that one just based on mass was much harder. And I can say there again, we I probably got, you know, the email came directly from me. And I probably had about 30 to 40 replies were like, congrats, couldn't have happened to a nicer group. We're excited for you guys. We're excited. You're staying on board, you know, things like that. Just very supportive, right? They're they're working for the same things in their own business. And they totally took a stance of instead of, oh, how might this impact me? They're just like, I celebrate you as an entrepreneur and as a business person. That was really cool.
1: Nice. Yeah. There wasn't a single customer that was that was concerned about it or Oh no, we totally did. So
0: funny enough. After I send it, the first email I get, like 10 seconds later, I get a reply that's just a one line. Cancel my account right now. Are you kidding me? No, <laughs> that was a joke. No, right? not a joke. And the thing was, right, so the company, uh, Alpine Software Group, had already purchased our competitor, Great Us. This cust- oh, and then they switched. Yes, this customer was with Great Us, didn't like them, switched to us. So they immediately yeah. had the opinion that, you know, we were going to merge all those things, even though all of our messaging said, like, we're staying separate companies. There'll be efficiencies yeah. that we will have together, but we're staying different brands. Our solutions have variances, teams, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. And so in getting that in the first 10 seconds, I was like, am I about to get a thousand more of these? Right. I was like, oh, my wow. gosh. Yeah. And so did you talk him out of it or did he cancel? Uh, I, I asked her, like tell me why you feel this way. I tried to, you know, I don't want to lose you. Let me help reinforce this. What else can I do? Um, And there really wasn't any, you know, at the end after three or four emails, I was like, all right, I I don't need to take up more of your time. I understand you're very firm in where you are. If you change your mind, please do. I would love the opportunity to show you I'm, you know, we're being honest in our word, but that that one was a lost cause, and, and there was, you know, I probably had three or four other emails with, you know, some concern and and things like that. But again, the the yeah. overwhelming and with thousands, you're going to have that. You're absolutely going to have that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I'm I'm surprised that any of that happened. Like, I don't know. It's just it's just a weird response, in in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, be prepared for anything when you email thousands of people. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. So interesting enough, on the uh, you know one thing I do want to share is so you know, when everything comes to a close, there's basically a closing call, right? And it's a handful of minutes call with everyone from each side, legal on each side, uh, those kind of owning the process on each side. And it's each side saying like, yep, we have all of our paperwork, we have everything, we're in agreement. Same for this side. Yep, we have everything, we're in agreement. And it's basically just to get a verbal from everyone, the okay to release the, the wire transfers and to release the funds to the shareholders. So I had like long planned, like even some of this I had to plan around. I had like a, a five day family vacation that had been planned forever. And let's just say before this, like I've been working crazy hours, right? Like 80, 80 hour weeks, super stressed traveling a ton i had like eight weeks straight on the road and i had let uh, alpine software group know like hey when it comes to this date on november 1st i'm on a plane with my family and like this has to wrap before then because i'm gonna be on a timeout like yeah. my fa I've, I've been absent like for so many reasons and so based on the way things fall like i'm like okay i can do the call that morning before like we get on the plane or whatever i was hoping you know in a perfect world Uh, My wife and I and our four kids, we'll be through security. I'll go to the Delta Sky Club. I'll take the call. All will be great. I'll come back and hug the family and we'll get on our flight and head off to sunny San Diego. Well, we were behind, of course, right? Four kids, everyone packing out the door. So literally when the time comes for this call at like 10 or 1030, I can't remember which one it was. But I'm in line at TSA and we are like three away from, you know, getting our uh, IDs scanned and boarding pass scanned to go through x-ray and and the scanner. So I just tell my wife, like, you go with the kids. I have to make the call right now. I like step back a few people in line and I like, I take the call for this to close the deal in, in the line of TSA. So I I will never, ever forget, you know, that that was the case. And I was like super stressed about it. And then it ended up being all of a two minute call and just hung up and, Went and rejoined the family line. in the x ray line, and
1: we were off. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not even supposed to be on your phone when you're at the TSA, <laughs> I think. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't get tased. Yeah. You're like in the middle of the call, and someone comes and tases. <laughs> and I'm like,
0: yes, no. <laughs> and the deal's <laughs> off, right? The deal's so, off, yeah. yeah. You didn't finish the call. Yeah. Um yeah. interesting enough, right? A lot of uh, uh, founders, shareholders were talk about, right? It's that it's real when the the wire transfer hits your account. Well, you know, funny story for me there. Like mine was going to uh, my investment bank, so it had to like hop a couple of banks. And basically my wire got like stuck at one of the banks. And so my money didn't hit for like another four to five days. I had to make calls on it. I had to help them track it down through routing numbers. Like it was, it was very like, non-climactic at all right where it's like some of the other guys are like within an hour or two we're like i got it yeah and whatever else
1: yeah, popping the champagne yeah. and yeah. you're and, like trying to find your yeah, money and
0: i didn't even tell them any of that like this is probably the first time i'm like sharing this out loud where it was just like after a day or two i was like what's going on right and then uh my investment bank helped kind of track that down and everything else but it was very anticlimactic. climactic whereas finally where i could open the app and like see the money was there and it was just like i think we're sitting out on the patio already having a drink at the hotel in san diego right on the beach and i just go hey my money did show up and we're just like cheers so (laughs) yeah
1: but (laughs) yeah awesome that's that's funny you have to like you're stressing about when's my money going to show up but yep so anyway all's well that ends well it all worked out. All worked out. It did. So yeah. Now, now, what's next? What are we going to talk about in the next podcast? Yeah. Part
0: three. Um, I, I want to dive into some of the transition things, right? And share. Yeah. You know, there's some interesting aspects. Um, you know, emotionally going from you run this race, you run the race to the finish line, and then you're kind of like, what's my new motivation, right? It's like you always had this carrot of your your equity and selling the business and getting this exit and outcome. Um, and and for me, in staying with the company, I, I definitely think there's some things where it, it took me the last couple months of the end of the year to kind of like refocus. You know, get my personal life back in order. Right, I've been working so crazy, and you know, you're you're almost manic to a certain sense, and it's like finding time to like get yourself back to normal. Um, helping the team map out things. Um, there's some things that Alpine Software Group did that were really helpful in bringing our team together, and I want to talk about um, some of those. Yeah. And then you know, just helping the business not get too distracted, right? Because that caused a lot of distraction mm-hmm. and a lot of you know Slow uneasiness. Down. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, how do you get things calibrated back to the cadence where you were before, or even better? And so, I definitely yeah. want to share what that's looked like for us um, ninety days after after closing. And there's definitely Great. some yeah, some yeah. interesting things to to talk about there.
1: Man, such a great, interesting process, the whole thing. I really love all three of these episodes and I'm really looking forward to the next one. I have a lot of questions and like that whole feeling like when you sell your company, like how does it change? You know, there's so many things to think about, so many new details to incorporate into your, you know, your company culture and your processes. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that.
0: I I wish truthfully, and, and this has been great to like talk about this and it forces me to think about some of it and put it on paper in our notes to talk about these angles, but you know, I really wish we could have done like a, a reality show out of it. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I would have loved to see a more accurate view of even how I was during this, right? It's because I I truly don't even know, right? My my wife Marcy has definitely provided me some some insight and man, she was amazing, right? Like she got that I needed so much room to operate and I was so stressed. Yeah and she did everything she could to like keep me grounded and centered and this isn't the world it's not everything and and everything else and but then also give me the room to like go work crazy and not be there at kids events and things like that because i'm you know working yeah. on all these things nonstop so it It would definitely it would be interesting to be able to look at it from the outside and see how you were and be like, you know, do I recognize myself in that moment? Like what I see, what I see now, does that match up with what I thought I felt at that moment? That that would be really interesting.
1: Yeah. You just need the cameras following you through the whole process and then you can go back and review it. Yeah. I'm sh- a little self-reflection. Yeah. I don't think I would be as
0: dramatic as like the Real Housewives of whatever city you choose to watch. But <laughs> I I probably had yeah. a moment or two where it's like, all right, Aaron's off the rails a little bit. And then either Marcy or talking to, you know, one of our partners would definitely help bring me bring me back to where things were. So.
1: the real entrepreneurs of of Minneapolis (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) oh awesome I should missed opportunity if I ever get to do this again I am like calling the networks and being like all right let's do this yeah here's a totally different reality show you need to make happen so
1: totally it'd be great that would be amazing show actually but there'd be all these like things you can and can't say but you could you could all cut edit it all out put it on the cutting room floor yeah yeah no absolutely I'm surprised that show doesn't exist (laughs) Shark Tank people should, should do that. Yeah,
0: let's get let's get to a different part of things. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we should probably wrap. Man, we are pushing an hour, but uh, hopefully, everyone listening found this to be extremely beneficial. Thank you for letting me share a pretty amazing chapter out of uh, my business story. That's that's for sure.
1: Thanks so much for sharing it. I feel like man, these these episodes are so valuable. I I think that you know, for me personally, hearing all of this information is, is so useful. It's great to be able to wrap my head around all of these different things and think about all the different things you have to think about when you're selling your company. So I just, I love these episodes and I, I hope that the audience is, is liking them too.
0: I can easily say, I wish I would have had even more resources while going into it, during it, all those things. Yeah. So that's definitely my goal is to like help others as they go into this, like just have some framework. And, and obviously every acquisition can be so different, right? I'm just sharing what it looked like for, for us, but I think, you know, some of the things are staples and are true. And, and maybe they're just some of the things on like what to, what to look out for, what to pay attention to, how to make good choices um, can be beneficial. Yep. Yeah. Really good. All right. All right. Well, with that, episode 17 is a wrap. We will have part three of the gather up acquisition uh, coming up a, a few weeks down the line. Do Want to remind people, I do want to say thanks, man. I had a couple of people reach out to me on LinkedIn um, and Twitter and send me messages and just say, Hey, thanks for you know sharing your story. Really enjoyed part one of it, looking forward to part two. So, thanks to those of you that took that time. If any of you feel compelled, we would love uh, if you took the time to give us a, a review on iTunes, help make our podcast as visible as possible, or any you know sharing of it socially via. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you know, you're you hanging out, yep. passing it along inside of uh, some of the groups you might be, Slack groups or Mastermind groups or SaaS groups you're, you're a part of. If you think there's anyone that might benefit from this, definitely appreciate you uh, circulating it and bringing more uh, listeners to what Darren and I share on a monthly basis. Yes, please. All right. With that, take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Aaron. See you, See you, Darren. See you next time. Bye.